Good morning. How's everyone doing? We are in the middle of this series called Unshakable, and uh, the, whole, the whole theme about uh, Unshakable is that we live in a, uh, a season in our, in our nation, in our state, in the world, where lots of things are being shaken. Um, Hebrews says that in the end times that everything will be shaken that can be shaken, so that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. And so, so there's a shaking going on. How many would agree with that? There's a, there's a shaking going on. But God has called us to be people who live in an unshakable kingdom, the kingdom of God. So we're going to be covering Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 5 is all about the inside out. Everyone say inside out. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look beautiful inside and out. People of the kingdom, they value the inside before the outside. Matthew chapter 6, it talks about upside down, that people of the kingdom value heaven before earth. And then Matthew chapter 7, it talks about valuing the eternal before the temporal. And so it's an inside out, upside down, never-ending kingdom. That's, that's what the kingdom of God is, and we are citizens of this kingdom. The citizens of the kingdom of God value the inside before the outside. They value heaven before earth, and they value the eternal before the temporal. Amen? And so God has called us to live in this unshakable kingdom, and we're going to be talking about that today. Matthew 5, 13, 6, let's read this, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. One, two, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Turn to the person next to you and tell the person next to you, you are the light. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. God, we thank you for your word this morning, that you've called us to be salt, that you've called us to be light. In a world that is dark, in a world that many people don't know their direction or their purpose or, or why everything is going on the way that it's going on. Lord, you've placed us to be light in a dark world, to emulate a kingdom that has no end. And God, we pray that, that as we go through your word, that we wouldn't just hear the descriptions of the, the kingdom of heaven, but God, that we would desire this kingdom and that we would do everything that it takes to live within this kingdom to represent you well, we thank you so much for the ability to gather and to worship you today. Speak to our hearts. Draw us into your presence as we jump into your word this day. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. How many of you feel like the world is becoming a, a, a little bit darker place? Anyone feel like the, the world is becoming a darker place? That is a great opportunity for light to shine. Um, I just... I just, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted, I've always wanted in my house, even though I'm not like a TV person, but I've always wanted to be able to like watch my like worship videos with surround sound and kind of feel like I'm in a concert. 
So I got a big screen that has a projector that, that goes up on it. And I was shining the projector on the screen with all the lights in the house on. And it looked like real washed out and ugly. And I just thought, oh, that's not that great. And then I had this brilliant idea. You know what the brilliant idea was? Turn off the lights. I turned off all the lights. And that screen just lit up. And it felt like I was in a Hillsongs conference. And, and I realized that the dark makes the light shine so much better. And as the world is getting darker and darker, we could look at it and say, oh, the world's a dark place. Or we could look at it and say, this is the hour and an opportunity for the church to be the church. And we don't have to shout at the darkness and get depressed about the darkness or feel shaken by the darkness. We just have an opportunity now to be a light. Amen? So in Matthew chapter 5, we're just going to be looking at the B attitudes inside before outside. The whole uh, B attitudes talks about the kingdom of God as demonstrated by a kingdom citizen and what that looks like in the character of an individual. And when I started going through the B attitudes, I started thinking about the opposite of the B attitudes, and it perfectly describes the culture that we live in today. So, if you take the opposite of the kingdom, instead of being poor in spirit, which is humility and wanting to learn, there's an arrogance. You know why people are arrogant? Because they have Google. And they can be right about any opinion that they want to be right about. They just Google it, and there's something that tells them, you're so smart. You were right to begin with. And everybody that doesn't believe what you believe, they're a bunch of idiots. And so the world has this arrogance about it. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The opposite of that is being fake. We live in an Instagram culture where everything looks good. But how many of you know that all your friends do not look as good as their Instagram pictures? <laughs> they don't. How many of you know that the food that they show on their Instagram was probably all taken at one time, and they put like a picture out every day to make you feel like you don't have any good food? It's a fake culture. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Meek, the meekness in the Greek, it talks about an attitude, a presuming attitude that God is good. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Most people don't hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know why? Because they're self-righteous. They think they got it all together. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We live in a culture that's full of judgment and full of criticism. And God's called us to be different. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that persecute, are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're, we're going to talk about these. I'm going to talk about the first four, and then I'm going to do the handoff to Pastor Zach, and he's going to talk about the next ones. So I, one of the things that has been the darkest thing that I've seen in, the, in I don't know how long, um, but... It's been uh, one of the guys in my small group that was hit by a drunk driver and passed away, Chris McLeod. And I spent a lot of time praying for the family. Uh, we went to their, their house to, to hang out a couple nights ago. And, and as tragic as that is, there's a light that's shining from that family that 
is indescribable. There's a strength and a beauty of that family that can only be displayed in the tragedy that they're going through. It's, it's amazing. And, and when I see the B attitudes and I go through the B attitudes, I can see almost every single character trait of the B attitudes coming out of this family that's going through the most tragic and dark time that anybody could possibly think of. Losing your father, losing your husband, uh, you know, losing... He, he was in the season of the most pivotal time of his, of his boys, ages six and nine. And in that season, their father's taken from them. And, and the stories of, of, uh, that, that his wife is telling me of walking into their room at night and seeing their boys crying as they're sleeping, it's so heartbreaking. But at the same time, it's amazing that when the pressure is on and someone in the kingdom is being squeezed, that what comes out of it is not bitterness and anger and, and hatred, but when their life is being squeezed, the kingdom comes out of them. And you can see love and forgiveness and grace. It's so powerful that even in the darkest times that, that God's kingdom can shine. Amen? So the first one, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One of the, one of the things that, I, that I've been motivated by, um, poor in spirit. How many of you, when you go to Costco or you go to Walmart, you see these guys that are standing out there holding their signs and they're asking for food or they're asking for money? How many of you see that? And, you know, you can give money to them, or you can give money to feed my sheep and tell them, hey, go feed my sheep. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. Um, there's a whole lot I can say about that. <laughs> but one thing about people who are poor in spirit is that they're in constant demonstration of their need. And I've, one of the things that I was motivated by when I went to uh, Chris's house the, uh, his wife was telling me every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, he would be on the kitchen table, no one around, reading his Bible. He started off every morning reading his word and praying. And every night before he would go to bed, he would sit down with her and talk to her about what he read during the day. And him, him and his wife would have conversations about Scripture and what God was speaking to him. That is a representation, that's, that's the one thing that demonstrates someone who is poor in spirit. Someone that says, God, I need you. I can't live this life without you. Humility and hunger are demonstrated in the act of getting into the word on a daily basis. I, I remember as a kid, I would, every night or every morning that I would get up, my dad would always wake up earlier than us, and I'd walk into the parlor, and he'd be sitting on the couch with the, night, with the light on, and he'd be reading his Bible and praying. And, and that's something that I have not yet, I don't have the grace. Like when my kids come out in the morning, I'm not sitting under a light reading the Bible. I'm like on my computer doing stuff, you know? And that's just, I'm being transparent with you all. <laughs> but the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God wants us to be 
hungry and humble for more of his presence and more of his instruction. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, let me read to you what meekness is. This is, this is a great uh, description of meekness. Meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept, everyone say accept, accept his dealings with us as good. How many of you have had dealings of God and you doubt his goodness because it doesn't feel good? Yeah. I mean, not everything that's good for you feels good. Do you guys like vegetables? Do you guys like exercise? Do you guys like going to college for an extended period of time? Like most things that are good for you don't feel good. And, and meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good. And therefore, without disputing or without resisting, the meek are those wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. Is that good? Because somebody that, the underlying characteristic trait of the meek is that they look at God's dealings with them as good, and because God is good, I can then trust him to defend me when there's injustice. And it says the meek will inherit the earth. They won't be disappointed in their hope of God. That if they have that underlying sense that God is good, and even though it doesn't feel good, I know he works all things out for my good, and he is my defender and I put my trust in him, the result is blessed are the meek, for they will inherit or they will be given the earth. And God is going to give the earth not as the earth exists now. God doesn't give broken things, right? If we inherit the earth, he's going to give us an earth that is new. He's going to give us an earth that's healed. He's going to give us an earth that is his kingdom. And so those that trust in him, believe in his goodness, don't take it into their own hands to make everything right, but trust in him as the defender of injustice, they will inherit the earth. That's so opposite from what we see in our world today. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Sorry, I jumped ahead. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, one of the things that science is showing right now is that people that spend a lot of time on social media, there's an added level of depression that they face when they're on social media. And that's because we live in a culture that presents our best foot forward with filters and everything. It's so funny. Okay, Paige is not here, so I'm gonna tell you a story. So we, we just went, because we're gonna take them to Israel. We, <laughs> we went to the post office to get our passport pictures. And, when, and Paige was the first one to get her passport picture. And she sits down, and the first thing that she does, she goes like this. <laughs> and, then, and then the guy at the post office, he goes, no, 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 you have to look straight at the camera. You cannot turn your face. And she's like, oh. And then she sits, and she's like looking at the camera like that. And she smiles, and he takes the picture. And then Caden, he comes up next, and he sits down, and he goes. 
<laughs> just to like tease her. But we live in a culture that tries from every angle to look right. And it's, it's not a real culture, it's, it's, it's fake, it's artificial. And, and the scripture is, blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are genuine, who, under, who, who, who don't try to make their lives something that it's not. And it's so powerful to watch the McLeod family and, and how she's not pretending that everything's okay. And when you sit with her, she'll talk to you about how it's affecting their everyday life. And, and in that, there's such a power of genuineness and vulnerability that, that there's people that are just coming around that family and comforting that family and wrapping their arms around that family because they're genuine and they're, they're transparent about their need. And one of the greatest things, the blessings, the greatest blessings in my life is having a small group that I can share my stresses with, share my struggles with, and to hear their struggles and their stresses as well, and to know that I'm not alone. And God calls us into community. None of us should be walking our spiritual journey alone. The, those that mourn will be comforted. Where do we mourn? We mourn in the context of a group, and we mourn in the presence of God, and we're transparent about our disappointments, about, about the things that are challenging to us. And in that transparency, in that vulnerability, God meets us. Amen? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Instead of being self-righteous, hunger and thirsting for righteousness. How many of you know that if you eat McDonald's, you're not going to want that awesome steak that your wife is cooking for dinner? If, if we're filled, we won't be hungry. And, and you know how you can know if you're hungry for righteousness? I'm going to step on some toes here, is that you ask people to point out the areas in your life that need correction. When was the last time that, that you asked someone, what are the things that I could work on in my life? Look at the person sitting next to you. The person sitting next to you knows what you need to work on. You might not know what you need to work on, but the person sitting next to you knows everything, especially if you're married, everything that you need to work on. You just need to ask. When was the last time that you asked your spouse, hey, how could I make your life better? What do I need to change to make you happier? Because it says that if we're hungry for that, we'll be filled. If we're hungry for righteousness, if we're hungry for correction, if we're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, we'll be filled. And how does that look like? That's Matt looking at Chris and saying, Chris, what could I work on this week to make our marriage better? He'll get filled. <laughs> His ears will be filled. Chris, if you looked at Matt and you said, hey, Matt, I want to be a better wife. What's one thing I could do this week? Not like a whole bunch of things, but what's one thing I could do this week to make our marriage stronger? It'll be filled. Right? Yeah, right. 
But most of us don't hunger and thirst for righteousness because we don't want to be filled. We're already self-righteous. We're already, we think that we have, it, we're all, we have McDonald's. And we're all filled with McDonald's, but the righteousness is not there. And I speak for myself too. Like I, I could have a marriage a hundred times better if I did this a hundred times more. Amen? How many are going to do that this week? <laughs> Commitment time. How many are going to do this this week? <laughs> One person, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Chris is raising her hand. Okay, that's good. Accountability. So those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. This is being salt, guys. This is being salt. This is being light because the world does not do this. This is not normal, right? This is, this, is, this is not natural. This is supernatural. This is what God calls us to do to be different. If we're different, we'll make a difference. He calls us to be salt. He calls us to be light, a different kingdom from the kingdoms of this world. It starts from the inside, and then it affects out, right? So, so these are things It's very simple, but they're not easy. But these are the things that the kingdom of God represents. It's an inside-out kingdom. We value the inside before the outside. Those that are, uh, where were we? Hungry and thirst for righteousness will be filled. What do I need to change? It starts at home, right? And, and then it, it goes outside of the house. The last thing, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Our culture needs this. God's called us to be salt. He's called us to be light. I'm taking all your time, Zach. I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this is so powerful. Um, I was at the McLeod's house and their, their parents flew in. And the parents are aging, they're in their 80s, and very frail. And, um, and, and the parents said, the last time that we saw them during Christmas, we thought it might be the last time that we see them because we're aging and we thought we were gonna pass away. And he said that when the plane landed, so I'm talking to the father, the father said when the plane landed, he just started breaking down and crying because he knew he would never see his son again. And so I was sitting with them uh, over dinner, and, and he, uh, he, the father walked up to me, and, and, um, and he said, thank you for being here for our family. And, and I said, um, you know, I've heard so much about you. Chris has talked about you. And... Um, you know, he's always said that he's grateful for being in, in a Christian home. And, and he said, and this just completely shocked me. And he, he looked at me and he said, when I came here, I really had hoped that I could have met the person who hit my son because I want to give him a hug and tell him that I love him. <laughs> And he said, I can't imagine what that young man is going through, what he must be going through knowing that he killed someone. And I just want him to know that we forgive him and that we love him and that God loves him. And even though I knew he was a Christian, I didn't expect that, that he was empathizing with the killer of his son. 
And when I heard that, I thought, that's salt. That's light. In a, in a, in a culture that is so judgmental, hate-filled, unforgiving, an attitude like that sticks out more than anything else. And God's called us to be that to the world. Amen. Pastor Zach, we're doing the handoff here. <laughs> Can you give Pastor Zach a hand? No. It's, it's super encouraging to hear stories like that where you see God's love shining through. And not just his, his love, but his character coming through. Because when Jesus was up on that cross, he didn't say curse them, right? He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And, we, and that is just a huge testimony of what God has done in their lives and their faith. And just like how Pastor John said, that, that's a story and a testament of salt and light here in this world. And, if we, and when we look at verse 8, when it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For Chris's family, if their hearts were muddied with unforgiveness, muddied with bitterness, muddied with anger, hurt, resentment, then they wouldn't be able to see the way God sees. Their vision would be tainted. They wouldn't be able to see God in the situation. They wouldn't be able to see God's hand in the life of the person who hit him, his hand in their own life. They wouldn't be able to see God. How many of you ever experienced that? When our hearts are clouded, sometimes we don't see straight. We can't see the things going on around us that God wants us to see. Amen? Because for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, it, those are the things that come out of our heart sometimes. And we need help. We need God to purify our hearts so that we can see him for who he is. That our vision is not muddied. It's not tainted by what is going on inside of our heart. And we can do that by getting in the word. Yeah? Just like the McLeod family getting together reading the word, discussing it, talking about it. Those are the things that begins to purify and wash our heart and cleanse us. And as we keep our eye on Jesus and we pray for it, God is faithful that he's going to bring about a change in our hearts. He's faithful. Because as we go about that journey, we're going to see him. We're going to see him. And as we see him, we're going to see his glory. We're going to see his goodness. And we're going to want that even more than we want whatever else that's going on in our lives. Amen. Matthew 5, 9 said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The, one of the things that reminds me of this is, and this is the reason why. Okay, so if... Being a peacemaker is a characteristic of being a son or a daughter of God. Yeah. My dad's a mechanic. Okay. He fixes cars. He, he's a mechanic by trade. I'm not. 
However, I've asked questions, I've watched him do things, I've learned, uh, picked up a few things, and the, the best trick I, I picked up is opening up car doors. It's the best one. Okay, I've used that skill throughout high school more times than I can count. My friends lock their keys in their car so many times. Like, I'd be at home, and my friend would call me up, Hey, I'm at Big Beach. I locked my keys in the car. Bro, why? But then I'd jump in the car and go down, unlock it. And so many times, up at school, even random strangers. And, you know, I think about that, and people ask me every single time, how do you know how to do this? Where'd you learn this from? And I always reference, oh, my dad's a mechanic, that's why. He taught me. And when we make peace, and we keep the peace with people, and we help other people be peaceful together, it, it, like how Pastor John is saying, it, it, this is it's an inside-out, upside-down, eternal kingdom that we're a part of. And when we are a people and a group of people that look to seek the peace, and not only just seek it, but try to prevent conflict— and to usher in peace between people, it's different from what other people do. How many of you like to jump on the bandwagon of people's anger? Anybody? How many of you like people jumping on your bandwagon when you're angry? You're like talking to everybody, you know this guy, what he did, and then you're like, get mad with me, get on my side, get in my corner so we can fight together. A lot of times, no, I won't say that. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> but we want people to be in our corner. We don't want people to, to point out where we were wrong, the ways that we could have looked at it differently, the different mindset, the, the empathy part, just like how uh, Chris's dad was empathizing with the driver that hit him, hit his son. It's a totally different mindset and view of our lives and going about things, yeah? That's being salt and light in the world, thinking differently, doing things differently, ushering peace, seeking a pure heart so that we can see God, having a, a, a spirit of humility, vulnerability, a surrendered heart, and surrendered life, an integ a life of integrity, and a, and a habit of forgiveness. You know, we have, these are the things that God has called us to. And it's all of these things that prepare us, that prepare us for some of the things that may happen in our lives. And as we go into Matthew 5, 10 and 12, the, it gets a little junk when we're, when we're thinking about it, but he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. But rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad. How many of you are going to rejoice when, like, Junk is happening in your life. Anybody? Anybody going to say, thank you, God, that my reward is great in heaven? Nobody? Yeah. 
<laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> That's a different mindset. It's a different mindset, but God is preparing us. All of these things prepare us for if these things happen in our lives, if there is persecution in our lives, that our hearts are right, our lives are right, so that we can look at God with a clear heart and a clear vision so that we can see his hand moving and we can see with an eternal mindset, not an earthly temporal mindset, remember? Inside out, upside down, eternal. When we can see eternal and look at things through God's eyes, we can see a kingdom that is unshakable. Even when our world is being rocked and shaken and flipped upside down, we have a God that encourages us and says, this is not the end all be all. Your reward is going to be great in heaven because that's your home. That's where you belong. You're here on mission. You're here for a time. You're here to be salt and light on the earth, to usher in my light, my love, my grace, my mercy here on this earth. That, you're here to be that to all of the people around you, but this is not your home. Your home is with me. And when you come back home, you bet your butt that your reward is going to be great because you suffered for my sake. Amen? All of these things lead and prepare us for things like this if they happen in our lives. We don't know, but I'd rather be prepared, amen? Yeah. We're a part of a kingdom, a heavenly kingdom that is unshakable because our hope is not based on the temporal. Our hope and faith is based on the eternal. Amen. Amen. Can we give Zach a hand? All of that in the Beatitudes, he lists all, that, all those things, the inside-out characteristics, and he ends with this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Let's say this together. Can we throw that scripture up, and we'll close by saying this scripture together. Why don't we all stand? As we say this scripture together, as a church, as Grace Bible Church, hear the voice of the Father, hear the voice of Jesus saying this to you. He said this to his disciples, he says this to us today, let's, let's read. At the count of three, one, two, three. For you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. But you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the adoption that we've experienced into your family. And God, it's our heart that people would see our lives and that they would glorify you that, that in the same way that the McLeod family is shining in, in the darkness. And when they see the way that, that the father and the wife and are responding in this dark time, that, that there's glory that's going to you. God, we pray that you would use our lives to be a light in the darkness that ultimately, Lord, that 
you would be glorified through us. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity to be salt and light in a dark world. We pray that you would give us the grace to walk this out. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. amen.